0: Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today is part two with Ryan Bartley. Last week was for animal lovers, this week is for anime lovers. We talk about everything anime and looping and the fans that make anime and conventions so special. Remember those soon, my friends. Soon. Out of curiosity, are you... Do you primarily work with like the same loop group or have you worked for a bunch of different loop groups
1: yeah I've worked for a lot now um i i I wouldn't say that i I only work with uh with one or two to, there are uh, probably about four or five that I work for regularly but um, but then there's another probably four or five people that will call me once or twice a year
0: okay. um,
1: so yeah it's a pretty big rotating net at this point for which I'm very grateful I know that I've heard in the past it was not like that you know and that things are changing and and people are um, able to move around and work for different people based on the needs of the project you right. know so uh, uh, yeah so I have a, a rotating like, but, you know, it's a lot of the same people in the groups. Like, it's not just me that's rotating. Right. I've never done a loop group ever where I walked in and didn't know any of the other loopers. You <laughs> right, know, like yeah. I, I work with the same people for different people, basically. So it's a lot of the it's a small community, but it's um it's, you know, the same people moving around from from one gig to the next kind of based on the needs of the show. Yeah.
0: OK, cool. And I know with looping, like it's one of those aspects of voiceover where it's like if you have any specialized skills, it's, it's super important. It can be a big asset. So mm-hmm. are you usually, I know you mentioned, especially when you were younger, but still today, you're so great at like the teenage characters and, and making believable teenagers, which, which is kind of rare because a lot of times in looping they'll, they'll try to hire if they can hire an actual like person of that age, they will. But mm-hmm. there are few that can still do it totally believably. So is that mm-hmm. primarily like what you're pulled on to looping gigs for? Or, Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that might be why I am called in but I also want to make sure that that's not the only reason I'm there so right. if there is like a young nurse or um, you know something like that then I have uh, I have nurses station terminology and I can do uh, you know a young doctor even you know uh, I just I don't want that to be the only reason the only value that Ryan has as she sounds young like no 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 that would that would not get you very far right. um, you can't you can't pay the rent on just that <laughs> probably so um so it it's it, it might be, like, one of the reasons that I'm on something, but it it certainly won't be the only one, I hope. Um, and there's been a lot of things that uh, that wasn't the case. I was not called in be- just because I sounded young. Um, there's a just regular, I, you know, I've done a lot of just normal TV shows that don't have anything to do with high school or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. normal adult stuff you know including uh first responders and police officers and and medical and all that kind of stuff so um yeah so there was the funny thing there's a there's also some ways that those can intersect we did um the movie flatliners the the new movie uh Mm -hmm. there's a remake of flatliners that came out a few years ago and they wanted um specifically young sounding because they wanted them to sound like med students. Like literally you need to sound like you're in your twenties. This is med school, Mm -hmm. but you have to know neurology. And, uh, and so, yeah, we did a ton of research for that movie, Um, but, but we did it and we did it well enough, you know, to, to be convincing doc, young med students and, Mm -hmm. and young doctors. And, uh, (laughs) and yeah, so there is some, there is some, points in which that's going to overlap that you do have to kind of both sound young and be good at good at these these really specific things so um Mm -hmm. it's good good to yeah yeah (laughs) and i also do the kids if there's a child uh, a little child in a waiting room or something then that has like a tiny little thing pulling on his mom's (laughs) shirt or something then that's like they always say that's a ryan q (laughs) like i know you know in the room what you know you know that what cues you're gonna have that are gonna be probably you um and so yeah they they say that now. Some of the loop groups I work with, oh, there's a Ryan Q if I've ever seen one and it's, it's a kid, you know. <laughs> That's but, awesome.
0: Um, I yeah. hope <laughs> it, it would be so cool if, for, like, in that movie you had a scene where you played one of the doctors as well as the kids. The kids, yeah. <laughs> full circle. <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: think it <laughs> happened on that movie, but eh, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I hope it does someday.
0: <laughs> cool. And, and, yeah, it's because, it's, one, you have to learn, like, for that specific film about neurology, but, mm-hmm. s- like, sometimes, you know, you have to learn Not just about a subject, but a subject and how the code words and everything are for a specific city or region. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it gets, like... Yeah, like you know, the the penal codes are different for you know Chicago versus New York. Yeah, exactly. yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, that's it's, <laughs> crazy. And you don't have to memorize it. We should say that. Like we have mm-hmm. notes and stuff, and we have like notes in our iPad. No one has that memorized. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Maybe some of the guys that do it all the time do. But uh, if they're <laughs> yeah. working on like Chicago PD or something, then yeah, mm-hmm. they they probably do have that memorized. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but you can use your notes, and you should use your notes, and have and have good notes, hopefully.
0: Right. Um. So I'm going to switch because, you know, y- you mentioned the-, the loopers calling it a Ryan Q when there's like younger, youthful characters <laughs> that that's like you can knock those out of the park. I know you mentioned that you you've done a lot of like... Younger characters for anime as well, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. which, first of all, I try to do a little bit of research. You have one of those IMDb pages that I call the Cheesecake Factory IMDb page in that it is like a 500 page menu. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's hard to know what's good because everything looks good. Oh, Um, thank you. So so how did you get in? to anime Mm. did you was that in your texas days because i know a lot of it's in dallas as well yeah
1: i i wish i i get asked that a lot because um because there is a lot of anime produced in in texas um in terms of the dubs and uh i but i didn't no i didn't i never did it there um i always wanted to and um had a hard time finding like how to get into anime and i had to kind of eventually, uh, Zeno, you probably know Zeno Robinson and Mm -hmm. he, um, he kind of told me like, oh, you know, uh, there's a place out here in, in Los Angeles that does it, um, bang zoom, which I'm so, there are no words in the world to describe how thankful I am for them. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so finally I started, I, I, once I knew, okay, I I had to find out who, who, who produces it, who who makes dubs, you know, in my area. And then I, I eventually, fig, you know, was able to track those people down and started studying anime dubbing. And I trained with Crispin Freeman, who's one of the biggest uh, mm. anime voice actors in, for English dubs. In history, probably he's he's a he's really well known and really well respected. I took his courses, and, uh, and then I, I trained with Tony Oliver as well, um, who ex- same thing. He is incredibly mm-hmm. well respected. One of the best directors I've ever worked with in my life. Incredible actor as well. An incredible person. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I, I eventually started being able to audition and and book anime. And yeah, it, it was hard. I remember asking a lot of people that that didn't that didn't encourage me to to, to it or to they just didn't care about it. It is kind of like mm. this um, sort of left out um, part of voiceover that that a lot of the agents or, uh, the people look down on, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, and so I remember asking one of my old agents, you know, I, I tell us said, I want to do anime and, uh, they were just like, yeah, I don't really know anything about that. Sorry. <laughs> it's like end of conversation. And, uh. And it, it sucked, you know, it was like it was really a bummer. I, I, I had a hard time finding um the people that were gonna help me pursue it, basically. But um and I had to basically I had to kinda do that with just the help of Zeno, to be honest. Um, and until we found the people that that could help us pursue those dreams, um, <laughs> but now it's you know it, it still hasn't been that long. I've actually only been doing anime I think for like five or six years almost. So in the scope of my career, that's not that long. But yeah,
0: shockingly, <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: but but uh, but but yeah, I'm super. Thankful that that finally panned out, and I finally got to to achieve those dreams. Because as a kid, I mean, I didn't watch a ton, a ton of anime, um, unfortunately. But so there are a lot of those really um iconic anime that I I wasn't able to see as a child. Um, but. I was, like I said, a huge Pokemon fan. And that was um, one of the biggest influences on, like, probably my whole life, to be honest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Every decision I've ever made. Um, But but so, yeah. And and I loved Miyazaki movies as a kid. Hmm. I remember one time I watched uh, Kiki's Delivery Service on repeat all night. All night. I was doing, like, a research project. Like, my first bibliography project. This was, like, fifth grade or something. And I watched it over and over all night long while I finished my uh, my bibliography cards and stuff um and it was just really it just opened up my imagination and it just filled me with wonder and it sounds cheesy but I I just was kind of entranced by by how artistic um these pieces could be and even now I'm i uh, I'm like y- I'm so thankful to work in the world of anime um, because here's the thing. The stories are incredible. Yeah. Um, they're very dark sometimes. They're very deep. There, there's a lot of emotion. There's pain. There's drama. There's betrayal. You know, there's all these really deep themes. Um that we are going to probably stay away from when we're making uh, Western um, cartoons mm-hmm. that are for children. Now, now there's, they're they're greenlighting more and more shows for adults um, in the in Western animation. But it, that's that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so these themes that are so fulfilling as actors to explore, you get that in anime, all of them. And uh, and and y- there's also magic. There's you know there's there's talking animals and 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 witches and all these things that um, that just they're just I just love it there's no words I just love it you know um, so I, I, I feel really thankful to be an anime and anime dub acting is so good and it kind of does get a bad rep I don't know why I mean maybe that there was there may be a time where it was a little bit cheesy in the past um, there was also still really great acting even even during those times Right. But but dub acting nowadays, I mean, it's hard to get a, a job in an anime. Let me tell you, you have to be a great actor. You do. Yeah. You do. That's the thing is like everyone working right now a lot in any form of acting or voiceover is a great actor. That's the bottom line. And uh, so the the people that do it, you know, I have a lot of respect for them. And, um, and yeah, I, I, it's still a little bit thought of as sort of a... Uh, a lesser you know kind of part of voiceover we don't get paid as much um the mm. rates are lower so it gets that reputation but i have nothing but gratitude and love for for anime and i have no plans to stop working in it <laughs> i want to keep working in it um as long as i can it used to be kind of like that it used to be like people would work in anime and then they would stop working in anime once they didn't like quote unquote have to anymore but i don't feel like i don't feel like (laughs) that at all i i i i'm i feel very grateful to work in it and um cannot really imagine not having anime in my life at least at this point you know yeah and uh yeah so so it's cool it's good and the fans are are so kind and i am so thankful that they have found this this thing to bond over and to find their community over and and to um you know just find their people they find their 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 friends and and there's nothing like that if you go to an anime convention and you see people hanging out with their friends and and a lot of them tell you you know i'm bullied at school because i because i watch anime or i don't have that many friends but i get to see my friends every year at the convention then that's like really special you know and uh Yeah, so anything I can do for that community or um, to give back to that community for everything that they've given me and these really deep stories I've gotten to explore as an actor through anime, um, you know, it's just, it's nothing but love from me.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. on so many levels, like you said, one, just the stories that you get to explore and, and the parts of yourself that you get to explore in anime characters and, like, seeing how important it is to anime fans because i you know like you i i didn't grow up around anime so it's very much like a foreign language to me but it's something i've tried to learn more about and like i'm really i've always been entranced by the the artwork and and just the community and how invested everybody is Mm -hmm. um but i get the sense that like anime fans are some of the most like passionate fans in all of voiceover, yeah. So, um, yeah. so being as how you didn't grow up with anime, like, uh, are you put into positions where you have to like sort of prove your knowledge to fans a lot, or is it Ooh. mostly just love and like you know?
1: You know what? Affection? I, I, uh, I, I try to make myself aware of the. uh the texts that i'm taking part in before we get to the point where fans are that fans know that i'm involved for example i did the dub of uh, neon genesis evangelion uh we did a Mm -hmm. dub of this show in in 20 it was released in 2019 and um on netflix and um this is a really iconic anime one of the biggest in history actually one of the more um, important television texts in history like this is in my film school Mm -hmm. books you know this is a huge huge show and um i did not know about it before i i had read the name i had seen it in text i did not know really how to pronounce it um but i had seen it it was in my like i said it was in my it's in my textbooks in film school Mm -hmm. and i had heard people mention it but and i had probably seen the characters at cons but i didn't know enough about it to for it to click that 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 those are from that show you know right but before i worked on it i i became an expert you know what i mean like i I had to do my homework i watched all of it in uh, japanese before i started and I always do that if, if it's out. Sometimes with the Netflix stuff, uh, it's not out anywhere. That was an older show that Netflix had licensed, so I was able right. to watch it. But um, but sometimes if it's like a, a Netflix original and it's the first time it's ever been uh, aired, you won't be able to, to watch it ahead of time, unfortunately. But... When I can watch it, um, I always watch the whole thing in Japanese ahead of time, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I will do a lot of research online in terms of looking at the characters' bios and stuff like that and, and making myself as aware of the of the text as a whole or the franchise as a whole as I can before I start it, um, because it will help my character development. It will help me do the best job I can do, first of all. Um, for example, there's a show I did called ReZero, also really popular show right now and the we learn in like oh gosh I want to say like it's pretty far into it we learn pretty far into the first season I play I, so I play this character that's kind of standoffish kind of uh catty a little um rude sometimes you know but sarcastic mm-hmm. and in kind of a funny way um but keeps people at at arm's length and you find out like halfway through the first season why and there's sort of this childhood trauma that happened and and she had sacrificed um her her she's a demon and she had sacrificed her horn for her sister and um if I had not watched all all of this first season before I started recording it I wouldn't really know the why behind what, why this character is the way that they are, why they keep people at arm's length, why they're so guarded and protective of, of my sister, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, so I like to, to, to do my homework and to, and to watch them all in Japanese ahead before I start, if I can. Um, there's also the a trend right now of called simuldubs. and that means that the the it's coming out in, in Japan and we're dubbing it like right away and so I, I I can't watch when that happens I can't watch the whole season ahead of time because it just that doesn't exist yet we're, we're only a couple weeks ahead of, of Japan but if I can I, I try to get as much information up front as and and yeah it's intimidating with the fans they they know everything about these shows right right now I'm doing a um. A sequel to Inuasha, uh, which is also one of the biggest anime. That, I mean, Evangelion and Inuasha. That doesn't, you know, those are some <laughs> of the biggest in history. Like the, you know, right. and um, so I'm doing a sequel, the sequel to Inuasha, right now. And uh, and, and yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of lore there. There was um, over a hundred episodes uh, of of the original show, and the people know, the, the fans know. So when I start doing conventions, and I'm going to be asked these questions about this show. I better know, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, I went back and studied Inuasha um, to be able to make this show, which is a lot to take in. <laughs> but it was an amazing journey, let me tell you. Um, I'm now a huge Inu- See, now I have a new thing I'm, I'm a fan of, right? Now I'm an yeah. Inuasha fan <laughs> um, and an Evangelion fan. Seriously, these are things that I'm glad my life has been enriched by bringing it into my, my sphere and, and me knowing about these texts. Um mm-hmm. So, so yeah, but, but you do, you do, before you do conventions, before you talk to fans, yeah, you should know what you're talking about. If you're going to be a part of these and you're part of history, if you're part of Inuasha, if you're in the Inuasha franchise or Evangelion, you're a part of anime history. Um, so, so honor that and, and treat it with the respect that, that it deserves. And, and um, I do, I do feel very humbled to be a part of these, of these pieces of art. I do.
0: Awesome. And, and like you said, once you became a fan of it after researching it, I'm sure that only makes all the fans of these shows love you that much more <laughs> um, beyond the talent. It's like, oh, she's Aww. one of us now. Yes, she I am. She the language. <laughs> oh, I do.
1: I do. I know it all now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, you've mentioned conventions. Obviously, we haven't been able to go to any in person mm-hmm. in recent history. But um, do you have any convention stories that stand out to you? Any fun fan moments?
1: so many gosh um i i played a character called komugi in a hunter hunter um another one of the biggest shows of our the last decade and um the fans of komugi touch touch my heart a lot um a lot of people came to me sharing stories of disabilities um with that as it relates to Komugi and um, she's such a good person she's such a good person that that character is one of my favorites of of my life Um, (laughs) and hearing people's stories those all stick with me Um, there's been fun things too I got to see with Evangelion people have tattoos um, (laughs) of of Rei Ayanami that's really amazing (laughs) Um, I, uh, I've seen a car with, uh, my ReZero character on it and they let me, oh, in, wow. they let me sign the car. Um, <laughs> so that's, <laughs> so stan- cool. that stands out as a, as a, as a cool memory. Um, yeah. Wow. There's so many. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, but they, uh, I, uh, geez, what I love most is people, um, being able to enjoy just find people that get it like they do you know what i mean like just hearing people's mm-hmm. stories about i met my best friend through this show or you know i i don't get to see my friend all year and then we do this convention together in the summer like that kind of stuff is really special mm-hmm. to me and i like being a part of that's a small a small part of like that experience for them um yeah. is really special to me and meaningful to me and I don't know. I I take my job as I I know that being an actor is an honor. I know that I'm lucky to have this job, and that doesn't escape me for a second ever, ever. And I I just I want to always keep that always, you know. And I don't think I could ever lose it. I really don't, because I'm just still shocked. I'm still just shocked that I that I get to do this. But um, but every single time I step into the booth, it's like this kind of weird, um like, am I dreaming? Is this real, you know, kind of feeling? And, um, I don't think I'll ever lose that. Uh, because I just feel really lucky to be like a small part of, of anything that, that brings people joy, um, or that, that moves them in any sort of way. So yeah, the, seeing the, seeing the, when you go to conventions, you really see that up close and it's very special.
0: Yeah. That's, and you know, the, the thing that's great is with this type of work, People, it's not like the shows that you're working on have been forced into somebody's face from ads and stuff like they're seeking it out because they truly love it and know everything about it. And um, so you really get a sense of that at conventions, like how much it means to these people, Um, which sometimes obviously being a voice actor, it can be pretty isolating. So uh, it's nice to get that.
1: We don't know. Like, it's just like, you know, when you're in the booth, it's just you and the director and the engineer. And, and I don't, think about what the fans want from a character when I'm doing it to be honest because the character I think that would jeopardize the performance because the character Mm. doesn't know that the fans exist you know what I mean so I don't think about that at all when I'm when I'm developing a character Um, I do think about what the Japanese performer did with the role—that's a big influence on me. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't try to like do what I think the fans are gonna want or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But if they do, if they do happen to like it, then of course that's a wonderful thing. But to honor their character. Uh, I can't let that into the booth do you know what I mean Yeah. so
0: yeah that's yeah good. that's a good point it's it's a very meta but excellent point like you said the character doesn't isn't aware of all these conventions and mm-hmm. stuff No, oh, yeah the character thinks it's a living thing in this world yeah and um, my
1: view of characters is like you're developing a character you're developing a set of opinions that's what a character is mm-hmm. so the character doesn't have any concept of that that's irrelevant you know what I mean so if I was in the booth yeah. in my head thinking about what people want from this role that would not service me as an actor and you would not not like the performance that came as a result of that either so mm-hmm. I, I really do just like totally turn that off it's cool when you're working on something in secret um, when you're doing a simuldub it's harder because people know that you're playing the role as you're playing it but when you're doing like Evangelion we were like no one knew who was working on this, you know, and and we worked on that show for months. It was like one of the most tedious uh, experiences doing anime that I've ever done, but very fulfilling. We had our director, Carrie Kiernan, um mm. She directs a lot of theater, and I think in some ways uh, we did it kind of like theater um, in in that we worked things we explored it wasn't just about getting the loops done as fast as we can um, which sometimes it can feel like that in anime um, or in anything in anything right time is money (laughs) you do need to work you do need to work fast Um, but Being the, given the time to create and explore and fail and try again and see what this flavor tastes like and what that feels like, um, you will get a, a, a real good piece of art if you're able to, to take the time to do that right. So I, so when I'm working like that, there's no, um, it, what people want from it can't come into it at that point. It was all about honoring the text and creating. And, and fan service is, is out the dust neither here nor there. You know, that's not that's really not on my mind uh, when I'm creating. Right. And I think what we came up with is a great dub. Um, so, you know, I'm proud of what we did. And and I am I'm proud of a lot of the shows that I've worked on. And, you know, mm-hmm. we couldn't do it without our team our our writers, our adapters, our producers in Japan and our our producers here. And every single person all the, the engin- i mean the engineers are, we could never never do it without the engineers and and the production coordinators and you know i just mm-hmm. those are the people that like we're we're really making something together you know when we're when we're in it um and then you know yeah, we, it's like having a baby and then it comes out into the world and mm-hmm. then all these these other people you know see it and maybe they like it maybe they don't um but that is not really important to my process is, right. is you know, no offense, <laughs> not trying to be rude, but that that's not important to my character development. Um, Although I am very grateful that people watch the shows and give them a chance, regardless of if you like them or not. I'm really thankful for the people out there that take a listen. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, that's 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 what it is.
0: <laughs> wow. So you mentioned uh, simul dubs, and obviously you said that you like to, when you have the opportunity to learn about the Japanese actor and and be inspired by their performance, which obviously is difficult when you're doing a simul dub. So have you ever like gone through a simul dub and then listened back to the Japanese actor when you get a chance and and say, oh wow, th- I, I want a totally different direction with this, mm. or is it more or less? Like, oh, we we kind of had the same instincts here. Have um, you ever gotten a chance to do that?
1: You know, I don't typically revisit shows. So mm-hmm. I don't think I would, like, in hindsight, look back and, and say, oh, we went different directions Um because I don't have time. I mean, once I, I watch it in yeah. Japanese, right, and I record the show and then... Maybe, if I have time, maybe I watch it in English when it comes out. Although, even that is a maybe. So, I I, I don't typically have time to go back and watch um, again in Japanese. Uh, Mm -hmm. But... I think the director keeps you on. That's when you lean on the director to keep you on track with where the character's going and what the Japanese performer did um and make sure that you're honoring that and they have more of a scope of the project as a whole than than you do. And uh so yeah, that just shows how important a, a dub director can be.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's and you mentioned Carrie Karen like she, uh, Carrie's um it's almost a show just being directed by her. Like she's yeah. she's such a like just colorful fun personality and and like you said very invested in in making sure the performance is right as mm-hmm. opposed to like oh we we got to get this done right now. No 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 no. Um, yeah,
1: she will yeah. make sure that she gets it gets it right. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh I'm going to switch things up a little bit because you'd mentioned a while back once you started auditioning from home, you really got um you, you really got to work on things and improved a lot quicker as an actor. What were the sort of things that helped when you were auditioning from home that made you see the light and like, oh, mm. if I did this and that, <laughs> you know, that's that works.
1: There's some technical parts of it. So, I mean, as silly as it sounds, I uh, I did not y- have speakers like uh, like external speakers. So I was editing um, my auditions like just with my laptop speakers, which I, hmm. and, and here's the thing. Like when you're starting out and and I'm not trying to be, um, equipment elitist. So everyone starts with something. Um, and I didn't have external speakers until like two years ago, until very recently. Um, and you know why I got them? Because the ones in my laptop blew out. (laughs) 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 But, and so I had to, because I didn't want to pay to fix an old laptop speakers and I couldn't afford a new laptop at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. and so but when I started listening through external speakers, you, you, that that you learn, right? You just can hear things better, and you you just pick up more things, and you learn what's working and what's not. But that was a part of my prod. That's something that I started doing differently when I started auditioning from home. Um, part of my listening, part of listening back to myself more. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think just just listening to yourself more often. Um, I mean, I listen to myself every single day for, gosh, for hours because we have so many auditions that we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And um, you do just kind of pick up on, like, what works and what doesn't. And I I have gotten more familiar with what things feel like. So I know how things sound on the mic. And then to get that sound, I know what it feels like in my body now. Um, Mm -hmm. So... I, I can kind of judge whether takes are going to work or if I'm going to get the effect that I wanted based on, like, how I felt. And it, sound, it sounds kind of weird, but it's true. Once you work a lot, you're like, I know that the placement... I know where the placement is for this character. And you won't really get that unless you're listening to yourself constantly because you have to... Things are different. What feels one way might sound on the mic a different way, right? But once you do it enough, then you know oh when i feel like this this is going to sound like that um mm-hmm. and it's just time it's just it's just putting in the work but those i think those are the thing and it did it made my audition process uh i'm i'm i wouldn't say faster because i'm a slow auditioner everyone has mm-hmm. their own thing and my auditioning is pretty t- slow like i just I I take time. I work through things. I don't just send my first take. I, um, I'm really kind of... Right now, we're being judged on our quality of our equipment as well, unfortunately, uh, because mm. we're recording everything from home. So I'm spending more time editing. I hope this is not always the case, and I don't think it will be. But right now, I'm, I'm spending a lot more time editing my auditions just to make sure that there's no weird sounds, right? right. Like, just getting out, like mouth clicks and stuff like that like stupid yeah. things like just to make sure that overall this the file sounds as clean as it can to give me as best of a shot as I can at booking the job but um but that I hope is just be- that's like a COVID thing that's because we're in these um we're in this situation and they're judging us based on unfortunately basically how how good our setup is and yeah <laughs> you know but um But because I'm listening to every single thing all the time and I'm very getting very anal and very specific about how my files sound, um, I'm learning because I'm 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 hearing more. I'm hearing myself more. (laughs) So, you know, I'm spending more time editing these auditions and learning what works on my voice and what doesn't. So I'm getting better. Every everything. This is what I think. A lot of times I get auditions where I think, I'm not going to book this, right? There's just no way for whatever reason. It just, It's not going to work. But I am a better actor at the end of that audition than I was at the beginning. Every time. Hmm. Every time. Because you did it. You're never going to make yourself a worse actor. By trying, are you? No. Right. You're going to learn something probably, right? So if that's the only thing that comes out of it is that I'm a better actor today for having tried that audition yesterday than I was when I woke up yesterday, then that's what it is. Then that's what I got. And that's enough, you know? So, And that's yeah. the, kind of how I approach things because there's so many auditions and, and there's so um, – almost none of them you're going to book. That's just how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. But every single one of them has, has made me the artist that I am. and uh, And that's worth – that's worth a lot. That's worth probably even more than any single gig, to be honest. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of how you have to. That's that's what I have to do. To That's how I have to go into it to keep myself going against, mm-hmm. you know, all the stacks and stacks of auditions that you get that you don't book. Um, right. Right. So that's what works for me. You know.
0: Yeah. And, and I think you're totally spot on with it. Like like you'd mentioned earlier, it's not. It's not necessarily like you can't approach an audition about, OK, how does this sound? Does this sound good? But if you go through enough auditions, you get to the point where you associate your feeling with the sounds and they're kind of m- more in sync. Um, I think that's something that for me, like because a lot of times it's the first thing when you get specs that everybody looks at is if it's offered like the voice print or any, any clues like, Oh, we're looking for gravely or this or that. Cause that's the thing that requires no thinking. It's like, Oh, I could do gravely. But, um, if you're not really thinking about how the character is feeling moment to moment, then it's just going to sound like one out of a million gravelly auditions. True. So, um, so yeah, how, how you feel is so important. It, mm-hmm. like you said, it's very unlikely, no matter how good your audition is that you'll get booked, but your chances increase tenfold. If you're just in tune with how it character. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I um I actually just did an audition right before this interview. I did an audition mm-hmm. where a character has a line. Well, it was it was all a scene with one other person. So I was trying to do it page by page and not line by line. Sometimes I do line by line if the lines are um are just like isolated uh, and not in a scene, then I might do every single line by itself, you know, and mm-hmm. work line number 1 until I'm happy and then move on and, and do the next, you know. But um but I was doing the scene and there was, I can't in my booth just the setup. I, I can really only get like a page or two up at once. And there was a thought that a character had that was at the bottom of a page that kind of led into another thought at the top of the next page that I didn't. Mm-hmm. I had to flip. I had to like take a break and move the pages. And I listened back to the audition. And they were both good. Like the, th- the thing at the bottom of one page and the thought at the next, they were okay. Um, but they didn't sound as connected as they should have probably. Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of like done the audition and I was editing. Editing it, and I wasn't feeling that connection, like those two thoughts. And I could tell, you know, that it was Mm -hmm. just like, a technical kind of thing that sort of had had created a little bit of a of a disjointedness in in whether I sounded like I, it was um kind of coming from the previous thought or not and so I, I went back in and I redid just that that thought from one page to the next as as one thing not as mm-hmm. two different things broken up with page turning in between you know and I didn't have to did it make a huge huge difference maybe maybe not I don't know but it to me it did didn't it just did feel like the moment may have broken a little bit there and that and that's the and that's it's those little things and that's probably why it takes me so long to do auditions Um, (laughs) but you know I, i i try to think if there's something that i that i think could be a little bit better um or if there's a moment that i think i fell out of the scene for whatever reason even if it's a technical reason like you had to turn the page or whatever um I'm going to try to make it better if I can, you know. And and will I book it? Probably not. So it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? But I did that extra thing. I went back and I, and I played with that moment. And I didn't just do one take. I didn't just go in and, and redo those two lines and, and put it in there. I played with that moment. You know, at those two beats, and until I was happy with it, and then I put that in there. You know, and had to re-edit it. It was a kind of a pain in the butt, gonna be honest. I had to like, because there's all these different little clicks that you can hear when you splice things in. It's it's, yeah. you know, but um, but yeah, but I did it because I thought that that moment was worth it, and I thought I'm not gonna book this anyway, but I want that. I want to know that I gave it my best basically and yeah. that's kind of always what you, you you know I mean some people think that you can't think you're not going to book it and I agree <laughs> you, you can never be like certain um, and you shouldn't probably do auditions like 100% sure that you're not going to book it but um, but you always know (laughs) that it's probably a no and you have to keep trying anyway. That's, that's our job. Um, and that's why I respect actors so much. You, you get up again, you get up again, you do that moment again, you try again, you try something different. You keep putting, pulling yourself back up. Um, and I'm a better, of course I'm a better actor now than when I started that audition. Yeah, I am. And I'm prouder of what I'm going to put forth, what I'm going to send into my agency on Monday. Yeah. And am yeah, am I going to book it? Probably not. Although I would be pretty good for it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but that's kind of what you always have to think, right? That sums yeah. it up. You have to know you're probably not going to book it, but then think, I don't know, if I were you, I'd probably yeah. hire me. I could do some cute things with this role. But, you know, that's how it yeah, goes. Yeah,
0: it's a high wire act. Yeah. You have to, like you know, I think it's good to, to have a, a sense of like, realism like all right there's a bajillion auditions I probably won't my mathematically my chances are low that takes the edge off so you can just focus on giving it the best performance Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not just about that
1: one audition it's a casting director that that uh, did she cast a lot of things you know what I mean and uh, you know it it has hired me before has heard me before has requested me before may not be this thing probably won't be this thing Um, but people remember like every time you audition it's it's your reputation you know what I mean? It's you may not be right for this. In fact, you probably aren't. But you you show consistently good work, and people remember. Hopefully, knock on wood, right? Um, so that's kind of how I frame it when I'm feeling like, oh, they're gonna go with a celebrity or something like that, which is probably true. But um, mm-hmm. But you show what you can do every time you step up to the bat, you know, and uh, and then people start to notice after after years, after years. Let me tell you, <laughs> yeah. years of doing that, then then yeah, people yeah. start to know. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then once they reach out, you say, "I can't play 15
1: anymore." Yeah, really. <laughs> it only took you two decades <laughs> to reach out to me, and now I can't play a teenager <laughs> anymore. Yeah, oh. could be. <laughs>
0: That wraps up part two with Ryan Bartley. I had such a blast chatting with her and honestly learning about some really good insider voice acting tips. Like tip number one, when looking for coaches and classes, find someone who works in what they teach. When Ryan was eager to work in and learn about anime, she learned that top anime actors like Crispin Freeman and Tony Oliver also teach anime. That's like Michael Jordan teaching you how to shoot a fadeaway. 2. Before auditioning for anime or even after you've booked something, whenever possible, watch the show in its original Japanese. You'll get insight into the story and performance that could help you give a much more authentic performance yourself. And three, like Ryan says, a character is a set of opinions. Always keep that in mind when auditioning and developing a character. If you find your mind straying to what fans think or what casting wants, your performance will falter. So focus on your character's set of opinions. And in my opinion, may all you voice actors keep acting up.